Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome back to On Point. This episode, I'll be basically doing something different. Uh, I'll be doing a solo uh, couple episodes here by myself, talking about how some of my hunts went this year, and kind of just giving a recap and things I liked, I didn't like, a lot of gear failures actually this year, um, some what I would call some physical failures, um, my hip and my left knee absolutely um, got to work on those somehow, figure out what's going on with that. But uh, I'll get into those in later episodes. But last recap I did, I think was with Brad Powell about our elk hunts and how those went and how those unfolded. And so I got to catch up on my antelope, my mule deer and my blacktail. And I think that should be it. And, uh, and then kind of tell you what my plans are for the rest of the year. So this will be the antelope episode. And uh, I plan on just doing a quick recap of each hunt. Um, that way there's multiple episodes. And if you guys like this format where it's just me, let me know. Because I don't, I don't want to just make the show just about me or anything, right? I mean, it's, it's about you guys, about learning and stuff. But I did have um, a friend uh, request that I do this uh, episode or these episodes and kind of do a recap and let everybody know. And so I'm filling that request. And if you guys like it, let me know. If you don't, let me know. And uh, yeah, so we'll just go ahead and kind of get into the uh, antelope episode. So this year I went to Wyoming uh, with my dad and my uncle-in-law. Uh, I was invited along, been trying to get invited along for quite a few years. And uh, things kind of the dynamic of their hunting camp kind of changed to where they were going to go kind of split off and do their own thing this year. And that's kind of how I got invited along. Uh, so I jumped at the chance. And so originally the plan was to go over there and put in for deer and antelope in the same unit so we can make a deer antelope hunt. And uh, I was totally fired up about that. I was actually more fired up about the mule deer than I was the antelope. Uh, but antelope, I've only hunted them once in my lifetime because Oregon is so hard to get a tag. It took me 13 years and I even had to split points with my dad because I think he had 16 or 17. So it actually took 15 points to get the tag we drew and it wasn't even that good of a hunt. Or if you want to hunt antelope, straight up, go to Wyoming or some other different state besides Oregon. It's not worth it. And it takes you way too long, way too long. Even some of the most prestigious tags in Oregon have really lost their luster, like uh, Heart Mountain, for example. Um, yeah, there's still antelope there, but you can't even hunt bighorn sheep there because the herd population is so low because the cougars and the coyotes. It's just been decimated. You cannot manage predators on that reserve, which is just a travesty because it used to be one, probably one of the best places in the whole country to go kill a giant mill deer, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's just not that way anymore. My dad has photos of 30 something inch bucks. I mean, giant 35 inch, non-typical bucks, 200 inch bucks. Just this is during season, but he was shooting them with a camera. I mean, that's the type of quality of hunt you used to be able to expect, but you know, not proper management has led to that. And uh, the, the antelope have been drugged down, kind of like the crab in the pot, um, has drugged everything down in that area. So um, long story short, that's why I wanted to go out of state to hunt antelope if I was going to hunt antelope. And that's that's basically why Wyoming looks so appealing to me is, is I knew it was easy to get a tag. I knew they have tons of antelope. It's kind of like a low commodity over there. Um, 
it's it's just there's a ton of them, and so it's a great resource. And uh, you don't have to wait 15 years to kill a decent one. And truth be told, you can get a tag over there over there every couple years and kill a really good goat. But if you just want to go over there and kill a goat, you can do it probably almost every year. And, um, and depending on the unit you go to, have a pretty good experience. But I'll get into that here in a second. So um, the drive time was uh, almost 19 hours, I believe. And uh, I was going with the rifle. I used my 308 Remington VTR. My dad had a 6.5 PRC, and I think Shorty had like a 300 uh, Winchester Short Mag. So uh, all of us obviously were using rifles. I thought about bringing my bow, uh, but I was told probably not a good idea. Um, just I, apparently it's pretty hard uh, to get a bow shot over there, and. Um, <laughs> And I would, long story short, I wish I would have brought my bow because the but the buck I did kill, um, I I definitely could have killed it with my bow. Um, but long story short, I want to kind of go over. So uh, we got over there. We were hunting the northeast part of Wyoming. I'm not going to give the unit out of respect for people that may be hunting that unit or live in that area. But it was northeast Wyoming. Uh, very 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 little public land. I mean little like. 600 piece here, a 700 piece here, maybe 1100 acres here. And if you know hunting that really open terrain and that open prairie, that's not a lot of land. You can almost glass a 600 acre piece over there. If it doesn't have a lot of folds, you can absolutely glass the whole thing. And it just, uh, 600 acres doesn't really go very far. Um, we, really struggled, uh, day one, we drive, drove, 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 just tons of miles, just go basically go into different pieces using Onyx, picking pieces. And then it was just, uh, there wasn't a lot of antelope. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we found out talking to some locals that about two years ago, um, they started getting some blue tongue or some sort of disease over there. And it really decimated the herd. And they're thinking the herd over there where we were hunting was about half as much as it used to be. And then this year was a really dry year. So the growth on the bucks, on top of being scarce, uh, the growth on the on, on the uh, antelope just wasn't there. So um, it just, everything was kind of stacking up to make it a tough hunt. Even though it's antelope, it, everything was, was adding up to make it, you know, not what it was well, not what we were preparing for. It was going to be a much challenging, much more challenging hunt. And uh, so we get over there. We start putting some of the pieces of the puzzle together. We're not really seeing any antelope uh, on public. They're pretty much, if they're on public, they're really close to private. There's no bucks. Um, all the bucks we saw were pretty much on private or they were so close to private by the time you got to them, um, they were on private because these, these antelope were moving a lot. And so... Uh, you know, it just, uh, we, we gave her a go for, I think a day or two, two days. Um, we just drove around glass, drove around. Um, we found a herd that was on public that looked like it had a good buck in it. And I made a stock on it. Um, and it just, they traveled on the private. There wasn't any good bucks in there, you know, maybe like an 11 inch buck. And my goal was really to kill a 15 inch buck over there. Um, not knowing, you know, much that just kind of arbitrarily set that goal in mind. And, uh, really wanted to kill a mature buck. And so, um, didn't even really get the chance to pass anything. And, and no one we saw really had any bucks. There was just it, the guys that were killing them were on private, had leases, have private trespass permits and this and that. 
And um, it just turned out to be a really, really struggle fest. I mean, not a lot of antelope, period. And then not a lot of antelope on public, hardly any. And you're thinking that you're going to pick these pieces of onyx chunks, you know, of BLM and state land that you're going to like, oh yeah, we'll go hunt this little chunk. And that chunk leads into this other little chunk. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of the chunks over there that are public are like Tetris shapes. So it's like an L and then that L might have a 50 yard stretch where it leads into like a little bridge of another um, 600 acre piece. And it was really like, oh yeah, we're going to get in here. And I did one of those hunts. I was about two miles deep. Uh, and then, then where I'm looking at going there, you know, there's a big stretch, not a very wide swath, but a big stretch of a public land that was about another couple miles deep. And then here come these guys over this ridge and they basically were just getting back, um, on the same ridge we were on for making the hunt that I had picked out. And so, um, we you know we were told prior to going that people weren't, you know, people just pretty much drive around and shoot antelope stock them from the roads. Um, but people were really getting out and hunting. I thought I was just going to be able to out hunt people. And that just wasn't the case. Other guys were really, really pushing themselves to, to get at the farthest chunks away from where they could from the roads and other, you know, everybody else had the same idea. Basically. Um, if you thought you had a spot that wouldn't have somebody in there, you'd be walking on boot tracks or just meeting somebody coming out. I mean, it was, like I said, it was, uh, pretty much took the fun out of it. And, it just, yeah. So long story short, we struggled for a couple days. Um, uh, Shorty ended up having a problem with his ear coming over uh, one of the passes. He had some um, really pain in his ear, and it was, uh, wasn't was a good situation. So uh, we went back to town, went to the urgent care. And while he's in there, I, I'm just pretty frustrated at the point. And I'm like, I got to get on the phone. We're not going to kill anything if we don't talk to a rancher. And so... Um, going through Onyx, I kept looking at all the spots that we found, um, antelope on, cause there was actually quite a few antelope on private. Uh, they knew where they were safe. Uh, they knew where the pressure wasn't and, uh, they were on those little pockets. And so I started looking and I kept marking the nice bucks, whether they were on private or not. I kept marking nice bucks that we saw. And I, I, I found this spot, this ranch, and I, I marked quite a few, three or four, uh, shooters that I'm like, man, those are, you know, I'd be happy to go home with that. <laughs> Knowing what I know now, I'd be happy to kill that 13, 14 inch buck. I, I really would. And, and, um, so I started getting on the phone. I called one, um, couldn't find a good phone number that would actually anybody would ever pick up. Um, and then called another one and I got a hold of this, uh, this pretty frail sounding old lady. I mean, she, she, <laughs> She sounded like she just barely could muster a word out of her mouth. Um, and, you know, she was basically saying, you know, like, yeah, that's our ranch, but you got to talk to my son. He's the one that handles that. And so got a little bit of traction, called her son, um, and he offered us a trespass fee. It was 300 bucks a person, which I thought was dirt cheap, not knowing anything. I mean, I, I figured they were going to offer 1000 bucks a piece, and that was a little steep, but um, 300 bucks a piece. Um, until you kill your antelope. So it's not 300 bucks a day or hundred bucks a day or whatever it may be. Some ranches do daily, um, fees. Some are just straight trespass fees, which is what we found. And, uh, as soon as I heard that, 
uh, I, I was like, when and where do you want to meet, man? Like, you are saving my trip. When and where? And and I will. You want cash? You like you PayPal? How do you want this? And so, um, basically, we drove. Uh, about an hour to go meet the guy, and and um, he told us the deal. Uh, we had nine thousand acres of private we could go hunt, plus a couple chunks of public that were connected to that. And so we go out there, and it's uh, about one or two o'clock, and immediately there's a buck, there's a buck, there's a herd. Oh gosh, you know, like I went from wanting to shoot the next buck I saw on public to now I'm passing up bucks, and I think I passed up I don't know how many bucks I passed up a dozen. Um, within the first couple hours. And then um, I uh, have us park the truck and, and, and we kind of, I walk up this little road and it goes over this rise into this big valley. And I poke my head up and there's a really good buck. I mean, he's a, he's a really good buck, thick, probably 14 and a half, I was guessing, but just really, really good mass, great shovels on him. Um, just a big bodied buck too. I couldn't get over how much bigger bodied he was than all the other bucks around. I'm like, that's that's the buck. Even even if he's not a giant buck, he's got a really big body on him. He's a good mature to me, a mature buck. You know, the growth wasn't what it was supposed to be with all the really dry weather and the drought they're having. Um, to me, that was that was a good buck. He he was just bigger than the rest of them, body wise and horn wise. But especially body wise, he was a tank, and um, I just I just couldn't get him in range. But there was another nice, decent buck in in there, and so I called my dad and Shorty over the ridge, and uh, kind of hee hawed around for a little bit. And and I think he kind of had had a itchy trigger trigger finger. My dad did. He and he had this new gun, the six five PRC. That was, uh, you know, brand new to him. He'd shot it, you know, on two or three different occasions, had it sighted in, uh, and was really excited to pull the trigger on it. And so he's like, you know, I think I'll take that other buck. Um, and it was in range, and, and the buck I wanted was about 200 yards outside of my range. There was no way to get closer. Um, and so he goes and sets up on the deer, or the, excuse me, the antelope, and, um, you know, I thought he was just going to let it walk off. He was taking so long, but he ends up setting up on it. The wind is ripping. It was 405 yards. And so he actually ended up uh, making a really good first shot and anchors that buck pretty much in the, in place. And I don't remember if he actually had to put another one in it or not. Um, I think he did just to put it out of its misery. Um, you know, didn't, didn't want to see it suffer because he, he did make a good shot on it, but it, it came out a little far back. Uh, so I think he one lung delivered it and that just wasn't enough for it to die quick enough. So he, I believe he put another one in it and, and that's, it, it ended really quickly after that second shot, if I remember right. But, um, yeah, I mean, super, super great shooting. I mean, there's a lot of wind there and, um, he was really happy and that kind of just got the stress and, and the morale up. And, and it was, uh, probably the, in my opinion for the, for the morale and just to turn the kind of turn the hunting trip around, that was probably the most important buck to me that trip. Um, it kind of just, uh, you know, we're like, okay, this is, this is going to happen. We're going to have a good hunting trip. It was kind of just a suck fest up until that point. And, um, yeah, it just, it was really nice to see my dad kill an antelope. That was the second antelope I've ever seen him kill in my life. Cause when we both drew those tags in Oregon, I don't know, 12 years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was. Um, you know, it, it was just a really cool thing to see. And, um, yeah, so we basically, um, the road that I snuck up and looked at him on, he actually died on that road. So we drove up all the way to him, and then um, 
he starts taking care of them and, and he's like, Hey, you guys go find a couple more. And so we do. And, and, um, we drive around a little bit for about a half hour, come back and then we help finish it, uh, help finish and process it and, and, uh, quarter it out and stuff. And, um, took it back to camp. And that was, that was, I think day three. Um, and so pretty awesome, you know, day three, we had our first buck down. I ended up passing on over a dozen bucks that day. So did shorty and, uh, really excited about the next morning. And so we go back out the next morning, shorty finds one he likes. There was one that, uh, my dad, uh, kind of was going to shoot, but kind of didn't shoot. And, and he was a good buck 14, probably a 14 inch buck, but he was, uh, um, really narrow and, and just kind of wasn't very pretty. Um, so long story short, we made a play, never, never was able to connect on that buck. And then shorty ended up connecting on another good buck, pretty similar to mine. Um, and, uh, uh, I think that probably was over around 10 o'clock that morning, uh, the morning after my dad shot his, and then, um, I'm up and there was a couple really good bucks that we had spotted that I, I was the pickiest out of all three of us, to be honest with you. And, and, uh, I really wanted to come home with a, you know, a 19 hour drive. I really wanted to make it worth the trip and, and push myself to find a good buck. And so, um, I go and, and, uh, there's, there's one buck that, that, uh, really stood out. My dad got really excited when he spotted him and I never really got a good look at him. So I just trust, trusted my dad's eye and we went and made a stock on him and, um, Kicked him a few times, honestly. It took a probably one or two failed stocks at this buck. Um, I would say one for sure failed stock, and the other one we were driving to get in range, and then he took off at like 1,200 yards away, um, super spooky. And so I'm like, we're going to have to play this a little bit more legitly and, and, and try and make a better stock on him. And and um, messed up the second one because I uh, came over this little ridge. I spotted him with like a bunch of does. And was working my way up this fence line. And then I spotted his does about 100 yards to my right. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm going to. And, and they didn't really spook off. They kind of fed off over the ridge. And so I was working that way and kind of just got tunnel vision because I'm like, he's going to be with those does. Well, somewhere between when I spotted him and when he went over the ridge with his does, three or four of his does took off to the right. And then he was with three or four or six or however many does he had to his left. And so as I'm stalking these does, the herd with the buck fed out behind me, kind of like off to my like seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And uh, Shorty and my dad got my attention like, hey, he's over there. And and by that time, he was 600 yards running with, you know, six or seven does watching me stalk away from him, this other herd. And, and um, ended up being able to get back on them, though. And there's this big red like uh cattle feeder pen thing out in the middle of freaking nowhere and he's broken off from all the other does he's with a tiny little buck for some reason they're feeding together perfect freaking spot to kill this bucket i don't know i can get close and so um i jump out i i make really good headway and i'm using that structure um as cover and so they're feeding on this little knob and, and below the knobs, a f- big flat, and then um, there's a there's a break um, that breaks over into basically where the ridge falls off on my end. So I'm able to cover a lot of ground real quickly, and I use that red feeder pin trough thing as cover, and uh, I set up on them right off the side of it at 300 yards, 330 yards, I think it was, and um, I must have been excited because uh, I ranged them, and then. Uh, 
I, I racked a shell in and I forgot on my way there that I'd already racked a shell in. So I must have been a little excited. I wouldn't say buck fever or anything, but um, and, and I'm super forgetful anyways. But I, I definitely uh, was excited and I, I had to rack another shell in because I, I thought I hadn't already. And, and um, he's starting to get a little twitchy and I don't know why the wind was perfect. He never saw me. But he's got that sixth sense that some of these big bucks get. You know, I, I, there's no really way to explain it. But he just, I don't know, he just wasn't acting very comfortable anymore. He was feeding, then he'd look up, and then he'd run 10 yards and stop. And that little buck wasn't paying attention to anything. But that big buck knew something wasn't right. And so as I'm settling on him, um, he starts to run, but he's not stopping. And so um, I right as he starts to run, and he's, he's, he's uh, kind of running – quartered away to me I put it right on his chest right on like the front of his chest pull the trigger nothing and then um he kind of stops and so I reload and then he starts to take off again and I shoot at him again and I'm like shit you know I just airballed that buck twice and and I I know what happened I not only was I punching the trigger but I was overthinking the wind I push I should have just put it right where I wanted to hit um and you know just completely fell apart which I, which I tend to do with the gun unless I have a completely relaxed, um, you know, deer that, or elk or whatever that doesn't know I'm there. Um, I, I, I tend to kind of get target panic really bad, uh, with the rifle, unlike I do with a bow. And, um, it's, it's just something that I've had to overcome over the years and it, it got the best of me on the antelope. And so they got away and, um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty bummed at this point. Cause that was a really good buck. And I really wanted to take that buck home and, and I failed as, and I was really disappointed in myself because up until that last quite a few animals I've shot, I've done a controlled shot process. I've, I've really been able to, to handle the mental part of it and just executing a good shot. And I straight up failed, uh, to do that on that buck. And, uh, so I'm walking around and I've got, uh, two, uh, two shells in my pocket because I forgot to pick up the bullet that I had, uh, ejected out of my, uh, gun. I forgot to pick that up. Um, and I had, uh, three in, um, or three in the gun, two in my pocket. So I left me with two in my pocket and I'm driving or I'm walking back to the truck and, and shorty decides to take his buck back to camp because it was starting to get pretty hot. And that left me and my dad out there. Um, and, uh, we had already spotted another, a really big buck an even bigger buck, but he wasn't on public. He was really close to public, but he just was barely off of the property that we could hunt and barely off the public. And so we start working our way that way, um, thinking that maybe if he feeds on I me, mean, this was a really big buck. Um, and he never did. And so we kind of come over this little ridge. There's a tiny little chunk in the very back corner of the property, and it's a 600-acre piece of uh, state land, and it's got a lot of folds in it. And so I say, you know, let's just go, let's go check out that way. And as soon as we do, I spot a herd. There's a pretty good buck in there, and, and um, he's a little bit shorter than the buck I just shot at, but he's probably got better mass, and he's just really he's, – he's much prettier. Um, he's, he's just a really gorgeous buck, and, and so uh, I wait, and I, he's in range uh, for my gun. He's in range 500 yards. Um, I can shoot that 308 really accurately out to about 650 with good wind. Um, and then I, I just, I'm not, I, I don't shoot my gun enough to really shoot past that responsibly. Um, but my dad's like, you know, he's in your range. Why don't you shoot him? I'm like, well, I've got two bullets. The wind's blowing pretty good. Um, I feel confident I could make a good shot, but I don't feel confident enough that with only two bullets in my pocket, because Shorty had all my ammo in the truck and my dad didn't grab it before he left. 
And uh, so I'm like walking around the freaking desert with two bullets in my gun. And I'm like, unless I can absolutely guarantee a perfect shot, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk, you know, wounding an animal or even worse, having one suffer because I was too impatient to wait for Shorty to get back. I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. And so um, long story short, we watched the buck for, gosh, you know, half an hour at 500 yards, uh, five, less than 550 for sure. And, and finally the whole herd kind of feeds up onto this little finger ridge and then back down. And, and then I wait a while and they don't feed out. And my dad's like, you know, you could probably go up and shoot that thing at like a hundred yards. And I was like, I don't know. It's never is, you know, it's, it's never is the, the train's never the way it seems like when you get there, it's, it's usually flatter than what it seems. So when, like, when you think you're going to come over this little ridge, you know, have like a 30 or 50 yard shot, it's actually like a hundred yards. Cause it just, it, it flattens out once you get down there and, and, um, and so I, I'm, I kind of debated about going down there and then enough time passed. I'm like, you know, they're probably hanging out there and if not bedded, cause they should have fed out by now. And, and so I kind of go down there and I'm just really taking my time. I've got two bullets. I'm not going to take a running shot. It's going to have to be absolute money. And I end up crawling into this little grass patch and, uh, which brings me to freaking cactuses over there, which I I didn't know they had cactuses like the ones they had. I didn't even think that cactuses would play a a role in our hunt. Cactuses, the cactuses fucking suck. I I pulled cactuses out of my ass after I sat on one trying to shoot a different buck for about freaking 10 minutes. And they're not just like big quills, but they're like, they're almost like, just a little bit bigger than a hair. Some of these things, I mean, they're, they're the diameter of these things. Like you can barely freaking see them. And so pro tip, if you get some cactuses and you, you take your knife and you just run your knife down your leg, like you scrape your knife down your leg or like a credit card or something, um, you can get pretty much all of them out. You'll pull all of them out, but, uh, shit, man, it freaking hurt. I, I stubbed my thumb on one stocking a herd of antelope prior to that. And, uh, I'm like, why does this hurt so freaking much? Like, I barely poked my thumb, and uh, it kind of like barely got under my th- my thumbnail. But that son of a bitch was throbbing like crazy. I don't know what the hell. I I literally uh, there must be some sort of weird venom those things unleash or something. Because I'm not like I've got I, I can handle a cut or a stub or a bruise, and you know I'm not a giant pussy out there. And I told my dad, I'm like, there's no way that freaking cactus should hurt that bad and uh, he's like yeah my thumb's kind of throbbing too because he got poked but um yeah that shit hurts so pro tip uh don't sit on cactuses watch where you're crawling walking putting your hands everything because even when i was setting my antelope up to take a picture of them i got a cactus in my freaking knee because i put my knee down wasn't thinking about it put it right down on a small ass cactus and it you know, it freaking hurts so find out the hard way um <laughs> wear some I don't even know what you'd wear because it's going to go right through whatever unless it's like leather um but yeah so um I'm crawling and I'm I'm kind of getting some cactuses every once in a while in the palm and in my knees and I'm like you know just this temporary discomfort will all be over when I shoot this thing so um I'm picking my way through doing, doing a pretty good job I rack a shell in because I've got to be getting within 100 200 yards 
And um, I'm crawling as low as I can because I know when I sit up, I want to get the most bang for my buck, right? I want to see as much as I can before I sit up because if that buck is there and he sees me and I don't have a clear shot at his chest or, or vitals, um, he's going to freaking take off. And so when I sit up, I want to make sure that I can see as much as I can. So I crawl about another 10, 10 yards farther than what I thought I should do, just just trying to stay as low as I can. And I, I turn the safety off, and I turn my scope down to six, which is as low as it'll go. And I make sure all my dials are right. I hit my zero stop. I dial back to zero, make sure my windage is good. I change my parallax to 100, and just trying to get everything ready. Because this, if this guy's right here, um, you know, they're pretty curious animals, but I'm, I don't want to be fidge, you know, fiddly farting around with my freaking scope. So I, uh, I, I, as slow as I could, I kind of sit up and I immediately see black horns in a face and he's staring at me and I'm like, crap. And so, uh, I scup, I kind of shimmy forward another foot with my knees and I try and get as tall as I can off my knees and I can see him, but I can't steady my gun enough. And he's only 80 yards. But keep in mind, guys, I only have two freaking bullets in, on my on me, period. And, um, yeah, I could probably make a good shot, but I just didn't feel good about swaying as much as I did. And, and I know it's only 80 yards, but, again, I am freaking garbage offhand, and I'm really garbage when I don't have a rest. So uh, I managed to be able to uh, – to kind of shimmy my my feet under me, and I sit on the back of my heels just to where the bush is kind of covering up his his brisket, but I can shoot it right kind of uh, high in the uh, chest where the neck meets the chest. Perfect shot for a frontal. If I had a bow, it would have been a freaking, as soon as he turned sideways and tried to stop him, I, I definitely could have killed this buck with my bow, but um, I ended up steadying that crosshair on him perfectly, let it sit for about two seconds, started to squeeze, and then boom, rifle goes off, and he immediately goes down, man. I mean, just dropped him, made a perfect shot. I mean, that bullet was right where my crosshairs were, and um, that's all he needed. He was pretty much dead on arrival there, and uh, yeah, whew, man, <laughs> talk about stress overload. I mean, I was just so worried to only have two bullets on my in my pocket, and just my confidence with the gun is pretty low because I've just had such a tough um, <laughs> career with a rifle. I I love my dad, but growing up, he didn't do me any favors in uh, the aspect of when he would get buck fever, it would therefore give me buck fever because if I would shoot and miss, it would turn into a shoot, 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 shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. You know, he's getting away. Shoot him. What are you doing? And uh, that's that's just <laughs> – Kind of how I developed this really bad target panic with a rifle. And so, um, like I said, unless I have all day and I can on a bipod, and that's kind of how I got in long-range shooting is like, you know, first of all, I'm seeing a lot of really quality animals that are just outside of my reach. And if I have to go jump shoot them, I'm going to miss. I'm just, I'm I'm not going to make the shot. I can tell you right now, it's, it's not going to be a good scenario. And so uh, that's kind of why I got into long-range shooting. And so being able to actually control... And, and make a good shot and really feel good about the, the, the gun going off. And just that to me was really special. It really felt good to me because I really, I missed a buck about two hours before that or an hour and a half before that just completely fell apart on him um, to being able to just say that's stupid. 
you know, stop doing that, get back to controlled shot and being able to squeeze the trigger until it goes off. It was just night and day. It just immediately, I kind of just regained my self-respect and um, walked up to the buck and just enjoyed the moment. And I woot and hollered at my dad for him to come down. And I was barely out of his view. He saw me go out of sight and then he saw me um, kind of rise up and then shoot, but he didn't, he never saw the antelope. Um, which was just barely out of our view at the time. So um, that's how that trip went down. Um, and extremely, extremely lucky. That's really all I can say. And so I took away from that hunt. Um, you better have access to private property if you're going to go hunt in that area or at least an area with very, very, very little um access and you have an animal that is like a very low commodity over there they're like fleas over there in wyoming um you call some ranches you're gonna get some access someone's gonna say yes or if you call like a local chamber of commerce um to the closest town that you're gonna be hunting you can get a list of folks that maybe um are on a list that allow access i mean there's there's a few different avenues to get access, you can call some local hunting stores, but really the Chamber of Commerce is probably your best bet. Um, and I would honestly, if you're hunting a unit with like 15 to 20% access anymore, um, everybody has Onyx or base maps. You're not think you're here, maybe thinking outside of the box, but really you're just thinking like everybody else. And everybody else nowadays is really starting to get out and put in the work and put in the miles and put in the research. And I was very taken off guard by the fact that everybody else had the same game plan I did. Cause I was thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to out hunt the hunter. Like I said earlier, and that just wasn't the case. I, I was shocked. Everybody else was getting out hunting, having a good time. Um, you know, just doing the same, doing the same thing we were. And so, um, at that point, you're, your chances of success were probably, I would say 5%. And that's being light. That's being, that's being nice. And, uh, I would say that 99% of the bucks that were killed were on private. Um, I think the, uh, ranger we talked to had only checked in two bucks, um, that were killed on public or, uh, something like that. And so, I mean, there was, and that's, we saw hundreds of hunters. It's like hundreds of them. And so that just tells you what your odds are right there. Your odds are, you know, probably 2%. And so, um, if you're hunting public, but if you're hunting private, they're probably not 95 to a hundred percent. If you didn't kill one, you screwed up. So, um, that is my, uh, advice to you. If you're going to be hunting a low commodity animal or an animal that's extremely, uh, in abundance and, and just not a priority for most people. And there's a lot of ranchers in the area, start making some phone calls and just do yourself a favor, um, and, and have backup plans, not public land backup plans, but private land backup plans. And then second thing, um, was dry ice was amazing. First time I actually ever used dry ice was on this hunt. And it is legit. It's expensive, but it's not that expensive if you have to keep buying bags of ice over and over and over again. And it will legit freeze your meat. So um, if I was going to do it again, or if I was hunting with a few other guys, I would buy uh, or go to the store, make sure they have dry ice in the nearest town. But I would bring a cooler that is basically empty. Um, or it's going to be empty. And if you're not wanting to leave early, you can literally cut and wrap your animal. And, um, you know, pronghorn's not that tough anyways. And so you can cut and wrap an antelope, toss dry ice in the cooler, 
have some sort of protective like cardboard or newspaper barrier between your meat and that, but you could store that thing for weeks. I mean, you could legit have a legitimate freezer with dry ice and a decent cooler, and it doesn't have to be that big of a cooler because antelope are so small anyways. Um, if you had to stay for an uh, for a uh, extended period of time, dry ice, and just cut and wrap your, your meat, and you don't have to take care of it when you go home. You just throw it in your freezer, and so um, all of us filled our tags within a day and a half, so we didn't have to do that. But I was prepared to do that. I brought the freezer paper. I had everything I needed. And the the local town was selling dry ice. And so um, that's what I would suggest there. Um, I brought the right amount of clothing. I brought, because it's pretty freaking cold um, in the mornings. And then by about 10 o'clock, it's, it's t-shirt, almost t-shirt weather. Um, so um, boots were good. Everything was good on that hunt. And um, yeah, I was just... Uh, just had a good time. And so that was Wyoming. That was my first trip. Wyoming was absolutely badass. Um, Montana was absolutely gorgeous. I see why people moved to Mon uh, Montana. Um, North Idaho was actually pretty brushy. I, I didn't know it was that brushy, really mountainous terrain. I think we went through, um, oh, what's that fancy place up there? It starts with a C. Um, anyways, it's a really fancy lake area. Um, in, in northern Idaho and uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, holy crap, that's a rich people area. And uh, really beautiful area, though. And it just looked like some really good hunting. So I'm sure it probably is. But um, yeah, and Washington um, was Washington. Um, I will never, ever move to Washington. But I could definitely see myself moving to Montana, Wyoming, or Idaho for sure. Probably middle central Idaho somewhere. But um, yeah, so antelope i got them back i'm actually looking at them now he ended up being um the kid ranger there and i say kid he was like new to the job had to be early 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 20s um if he was lucky um but he measured my uncles at like 14 and i i don't think the kid knows how to measure an antelope because there's no way in hell that they're 14 and mine's a little bit bigger than shorties and so i measured my buck right out around 13 um He's got good mass, and he's kind of got this little flipper off the prong, kind of like a like a dolphin tail, whale tail kind of thing going on off of his left prong, and a couple little stickers off his right prong. So um, has some character too, but he was a really pretty buck, and uh, ended up selling my cape to a buddy um, who needed it, and um, yeah, I had the beetle lady do it, and just a fun trip. So. Outside of that, uh, I will fly. I freaking hate driving, and if anybody ever wants me to go on a hunt, I I will always fly over drive. If it's over probably 10 hours, 12 hours, I will probably always fly over drive because I freaking hate driving. Um, I just, I, you know, planes are time machines, man, and I want to get more time, and I won't have to use as much vacation, and I'll figure out a way to get the meat back. But, um, yeah, planes are time machines, and I am taking the time machine over a freaking time sucker any day. So um, that's one thing. So I, I've been talking to Royce. He um, is trying to get me to go to Arizona um, for a late-season deer hunt, which I think would be freaking awesome. Um, so I'm kicking that around. I'm definitely, definitely really excited about that. Um, but I, I still am not sure what the details are going to be there. Um, so I'm not done yet, but, um, I will be flying to Arizona cause there's no way in hell I'm freaking driving. So outside of that guys, uh, that is my antelope hunt, uh, message me. If you have any questions, I'm really an open book. I, I, 
I, I'm not going to broadcast what unit I was to, out of respect for people that hunt that unit or live in that area. Um, but it was Northeast Idaho or Northeast, um, Wyoming and very limited public land. And I wouldn't suggest getting that tag unless you have access to private property period. Um, even on a good year, I wouldn't do it. So outside of that guys, appreciate you for listening. The next update I do will be, uh, mule deer. And, uh, that was another suck fest. And that was probably the toughest hunt I've ever been on period. Um, and I will get into that next, uh, next podcast. But if you like this format where it's just me talking for shit, 40 minutes, um, that's a long time. Um, I, I'm going to just work out some more, but if you guys don't like this, let me know, get a hold of me on Instagram on point with Garrett Weaver, and I will catch you guys on the next one. All right. Bye.